It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just un... Like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review, or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Haiti, and Haiti's had some really fascinating Yowie encounters in the Central Highlands in regional Queensland. Haiti, welcome to the show. Hi, Cade. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. Not a lot of people have been on the on the podcast from that region, and... It is kind of like this untapped piece of nature that is absolutely beautiful. And to be honest, I'm not surprised that there's Yowie encounters happening there. And I'm so grateful that you've come on the show to talk about yours. Are you able to take us back to where this all happened for you and kind of work, walk us through those first encounters that you've had? Sure. Um, so I'm 26 years old now. I turned 27 in October. Um, so my first encounter was almost 10 years ago when I was 17. Um, I'm originally from a small town called Blackwater in central Queensland. Um, there's not much to do out there. It's coal mining country. Um, you're either playing footy, going out drinking with your friends, or um, for me, it was just riding horses most of the time. Um, my first encounter, uh, my best friend and I were riding my horses, um, and we decided to go for a bit of a trail ride. Um, out to the bottom of a national park, which is called Blackdown Tablelands. We set out pretty early in the morning. Um, you know, as young kids do, we, you know, hopped on the horses and rode for ages. Um, I really hate to admit it, but we shouldn't have been where we were and we were trespassing onto people's properties, um, you know, just finding gates, opening them, riding through and then closing them behind us. Um, so the whole ride itself to the bottom of Blackdown Tablelands and back from the township of Blackwater is about seven hours. Um, there's obviously, you know, a national park, camping grounds and waterfalls up there um, that you can get up to, like, with a four-wheel drive. But um, for my encounter, well, we were obviously just riding the horses to the base of the mountain. Um so we ended up riding for about oh, it was like two or three hours and we, you know, just being teenagers, we were just loud. We were just being stupid. Um, we didn't really notice anything too crazy like on the way there. But one thing did like grab my like, attention and it was a calf. Um, and, you know, you know, when you see like a, a newborn calf, they have this kind of like oil over their fur or their coat and um 
you know, we didn't really, um, we didn't really take too much notice of it. But when we got, once we got a little bit closer, we saw that um, it wasn't actually a, a fresh, you know, calf by itself. It was um, torn, so just behind its quarters, and so like the back two back two legs and the tail. Um, it was just that that like there was no head, there was no front legs. It was just the back, yeah, the back two legs. Um, we, like, there was no blood around either. So, you know, we thought well, maybe a dingo's just gotten it. And then that was really it. Didn't, you know, just looked at it, thought, oh, fuck, that's, that's a bit dodgy. And then kept riding. You know, like, we were on the horses. Like, we knew that we were safe if there were a dingo to come or anything. Like, we could just run away. Um, so we rode for a little bit longer. And then there was this dam that we come across and we pulled up, we tied the horses up and we like had lunch and we're just talking amongst ourselves. Um, about half an hour after, you know, the horses had a bit of a break and we did too, we decided to hop back on and we were riding towards the, like the base of the mountain. Um, so, you know, the, the scrub was pretty thick, but then we got out onto like a bit of a clearing um, and then, like, right at the base of the mountain, it started to get a bit scrubby again. So it was pretty rocky as well. So the horses were a bit, oh, how are you going? So I didn't want to, like, hurt them too much. So we just turned around. Um, another thing I should have mentioned as well is, like, we didn't pass any cows, like, on the way there. Um, so, and, like, it was, like, cattle property. So, like, I'm sure that we would have come into contact with some cows, but... Yeah, so um, so it was it, so we kept riding. Anyway, we're in like a bit of a clearing. Um, so about like a kilometer to like eight hundred meters away from the bottom of the mountain, we obviously started you know hearing all these cattle, and they were like galloping towards us from the tree line from below the mountain. Um. You know, I've grown up in the bush. I've seen many, many, many cows, many cattle, and I've only ever seen cows gallop, like, running straight towards you with their tails up in the air, maybe, like, once or twice, and that was when people were mustering their cows or there was a dingo chasing them or a dog chasing them. So, anyway, they ran up to us, which was extremely strange because, like, we were obviously on the horses, Um and, like, my horses were, like, show horses. They hadn't been exposed to cows that much either. Um, so, like, they were obviously a little bit scared as well. Um, so, yeah, bear in mind, like, we were still quite a while from town, especially on horses. They're not as fast as ca uh, fast as cars. Um, and the only way that we knew how to get home was the direct route that we had just taken. Um so these cows were like surrounding us and it was weird. Like, you know, they were kicking up some dust and just being so, so weird. Like usually cows would run away from horses, right? But uh, these ones just wouldn't leave us alone. Um, you know, about two to three minutes pass and then all of a sudden I just hear this scream. And... It was like nothing that I've ever heard before. It started off like a super, super low, deep, monotone man, but then it went extremely high-pitched like a young girl. First, I thought it was maybe a bull, maybe a dingo, something screaming. I looked at my friend Renee and, you know, we both looked extremely confused and we are scanning around, you know, trying to see if there was somebody there watching us or, you know, if they you know, what that sound was coming from. Um, and then all of a sudden, out of the tree line, there was this man and he was just standing there. Ugh, like the best way I can could have described him um, was that he looked like an Aboriginal man, but extremely mal malnourished, like shaggy hair from like his head, like his head down. Um and he wasn't that tall, probably about six foot. I'm about five foot ten. Um, but, yeah, 
like it was just weird like this random man in the middle of nowhere and we just did not feel safe at all we looked at each other and we just galloped off like we didn't stick around much longer anyway as far away as possible the whole trip back like we obviously just talked about it and then after that we never really spoke about it ever since um so that one's obviously stuck with me for quite some time i mean what almost 10 years ago now um my family's like from that area there's been maybe like one or two yaoi sightings or monkey man sightings um and i've tried to bring it up like my grandparents have lived there since the 60s and i've tried to bring it up to them um my grandfather told me you know stop being a dickhead yaoi's don't exist um but I do remember my grandma telling me a story about one of the local girls when she was younger. Um, she was driving home from a football game out to South Blackwater, which is kind of where the town originated from. Um, and then apparently she saw this monkey-like creature walking on its hind legs across the road between Blackwater and Ralston. It's it's such a fascinating encounter because there's there's something in this that really stands out to me as something that is just really out of the normal and that's the that's the calf torn in half yeah and one question that i have for you and i can't remember if i read this on the email or not but i think you said that there was a real lack of blood to this creature as well yeah like there was little to no blood like it looked like how can i say it like a chicken leg, I guess. You know how, you know, a raw chicken leg, there's not real much blood. It was just flesh. Um, and there was like no blood around, no trails of blood, no drag marks of blood, just half a calf. There's this thing that a lot of kind of uh, scavenger-based um, predators, what they do is they, they actually drink the blood because there's a lot of nutrients in it. And... I wonder if this is the case with this because if if a calf is just so so small and and so fragile, you know that's kind of the the perfect target for, I guess this type of uh, I, I would say attack on on the creature, and to to kind of have its head torn off and its body torn in half and there not to be any blood that's a that's a real kind of curious event to happen. Yeah, definitely. Like I. I've seen I've seen calves being attacked by dingoes before, and you know there's blood everywhere. Um, but yeah, like like you said, this was pretty pretty random that there was no blood laying around. Yeah, and it's not the first time I've heard it when it comes to like a yaoi kind of active area because I've actually had someone else on the podcast, and they had something very similar, but it was with a kangaroo. And kangaroo are gigantic animals, full of muscle, full of blood. And not a drop on the ground. So that that really does raise a, a bit of a red flag when it comes to kind of yowies being in that area because, you know, Australia doesn't have a lot of natural predators that can do anything like that. Yeah. So the the cattle that ran up to you, this is also interesting. Yeah, cows just run. Like, they'll just run from anyone. And to, yeah. to have them run up to you, they had to be pretty pretty frazzled. Yeah, which was, that's what, you know, I mean, it frazzled me myself. You know, I've obviously, you know, been, I've chased cows before on horses and on motorbikes and usually they just run like the opposite direction. But the way that these cattle just like came galloping up to us, like every single one of them, and it would have been like a mob of probably about 30 or 40 like cattle. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was a huge mob and they all had their tails up in the air running towards us. So, you know, our first initial thought was, crap, there's a, there's a dingo. This dingo is going to come and attack us. And then when they all, like, came, they were all just, like, huddling around us, not too close to the horses, like, but I wouldn't say that they were trying to protect us or anything either, but it was just like they were circling us. And I don't know, I, I felt like they were trying to hide us, to be honest. Yeah, wow, that's that is really unusual behavior and and then a little bit further down the track this is when you see this this creature this this person so that was only two minutes after only two two minutes minutes after 
Yep. So there's the cattle came galloping towards us. They stopped around us and we'll, you know, we're like, oh crap, like, what are they doing? And then, you know, we obviously heard that scream and it was, I've, I've tried to, I guess, like recreate it, trying to explain it to my friends or my family of how it sounds. But yeah, it just sounded like this super low, deep, and it was like, it was strong. Like it was a strong man scream as well. And it went from this super, super low monotone, I guess like, a, I wouldn't even say like a bellow, I guess. And then it just went all the way up to like this high pitched girl scream, like young, young girl scream. And that's what freaked us out. Yeah, and I I know the the scream that you you're talking of and it is it's chilling when you hear it because I've heard recordings of this scream and it will it will make the the hair on your arm stand up. It is it is really 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 terrifying to to say yeah. that's the only way I can really explain it. And to to hear it so loud and and so close that you know you can actually see features on this creature. That's uh that would really add a I guess a, a lot of fear to this kind of encounter because to to hear it, but then to see what made this sound, that would have been that really would have pushed this experience over the edge for me. Yeah, like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. I'm probably gonna have goosebumps the whole phone call to be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> so what what did this thing look like? So you said it kind of looked like an Aboriginal man, fairly malnourished, and uh, like it did it did it look like it had hair over its body? Like it was, I mean, it was eight hundred meters away. Um, it looked like it had hair from obviously his head down. Um, no clothes on. Just I remember it just being brown. So eight hundred meters away, and you could still hear the scream so audibly. Oh, like extremely loud. It was like it was just behind us. Something with a large lung capacity is only capable of that because no man could do that. And there's really no animals out in the bush, in the Australian bush anyway, that could that could do that. Yeah. What was your thoughts at, at such a young age? You've just encountered something like this and you're essentially hightailing it out of there. Was Was this... Was the thought of a yowie going through your mind at this stage? No, I had, you know, never even thought about a yowie. I've never even heard about a yowie. I've heard about the yowie chocolate. That was about it. (laughs) I, yeah, hadn't thought of anything. I just thought there's a man just there and these cattle have come running towards us. We need to get out of here. And, like, we, we were stupid. Like, we were on somebody else's land and we shouldn't have been there in the first place. But, it, yeah, that was just way too creepy for us. We're just, like, this random man, hairy man standing in the middle of a paddock. It's very, very creepy as well, especially when you're on someone else's land when you're not supposed to be there. So there's already this, this element of, um, I guess, the unknown and then – to have this happen that that really would have pushed it to that another level for you yeah definitely so how long i guess into the future was it before you you kind of started to piece together that this may have been a yaoi would it been after your your other encounters it probably would have been after my second encounter which happened two years later um so my second encounter that happened um two years later so 2014 um, my best friend um, lived on a property just outside of Emerald in between um, Emerald and Capella in central Queensland. Um, so, like, on her property, like, we would just usually, like, ride all the way to, like, the back paddock and then back along the highway. Um, and there's a creek, a pretty thick creek called Teresa Creek, I'm pretty sure. Um, and usually, you know, we'd, we'd ride down the creek and then we'd ride up and then onto, like, the back paddock. But it was pretty dry that yeah, year. Um, so, yeah, 2014, really dry. Didn't have much rain. And I remember it being like July, June, July, middle of winter. It was cold. I remember it being cold. That's one of the you know, random things I remember. But we 
decided to ride the horses through the creek. So not down and up, but down and then um, lengthways. So, you know, it was full of sand. It was pretty deep sand. So we were going to give the horses a pretty good workout. Um, again, we were on the same horses again. Um, and, that you know, just bear in mind that one of these horses will come back into the story a little bit later on. Um, so we were riding and, you know, we are being loud. And I actually found a photo of my best friend Alex and I um, that popped up on Facebook memories of, you know, us riding in this. We took a selfie together. Um, we were being loud. We were talking about absolutely everything. Um, yeah, we didn't really pay too much attention to what was going on around us. It was pretty quiet, especially in the afternoon. Like, you know, we were many kilometres away from the nearest property. Um, you know, there's no other neighbouring properties close by, um, no houses, no other people. It was just us two on the property at the time. Um, so we were riding um, and then all of a sudden I hear a clap. Um, the best way I can describe the clap it was like, So that obviously got my attention and I, I didn't really pay too much time to it. I just kind of thought, oh, you know, whatever. We kept riding for a little bit longer um, and then I heard the clap again. So I said to Alex, I was like, hey, like, did you just hear that? She's like, hear what? And I was like, oh, don't, don't even worry. She was off in her own little world. She always is. But, um, and we kept riding, kept riding, and then again, about two minutes later, and I stopped and I said, please tell me that you just heard that. And she's looking at me so confused, and I'm like, like, what was that? And, like, she joked, she's like, oh, you know, it's like probably somebody, like, sneaking up on us. And she thought it was, her, her, like, her boyfriend at the time. I was like, he hasn't even finished work yet. Like, it's way too early. Um, so we kept riding. And then, again, we heard the clap. And we both had goosebumps and we were both looking at each other. And it started to get really, really eerie. We had this, like, overwhelming feeling that we just shouldn't be there, that we needed to get out. We don't know why, but we just looked at each other and I was like, Alex, like we, we need to go. And she's like, I hold on, like just wait one sec. About a minute later, this awful, like gut-wrenching smell just overcome us to the point that we both started gagging. And I was like, like, oh yuck, did you did you drop your guts? And she was like, No, it's not a grub. But Anyway, the best way I can describe it was when you pass roadkill, like on the highway, like it's not like it'd been sitting there for like weeks and then a mix with like piss. That's like high ammonia, just sour piss. Um, it kind of reminded me of, you know, horse floats and stuff, like when we're traveling with horses, like the stench of it. Um, if anybody is listening, if they have horses, I'm sure that they will know what that smell smells like. Um, so not too long after that, we heard the clap again. And then we heard that something was running and crashing through the bush pretty hard. And we couldn't make out what it was. Like it, it didn't sound like a roo. It didn't sound like a cow or even pigs. Um, and there were a few feral pigs and stuff on the property as well. But, like, this sounded like a man. Like, it, it was bipedal. Um, and, you know, like, we we are deep down into this creek and, like, the creek bed is, like, way high. It's, like, way above us, you know. Um, and there was only, like, a few ways to get out um, from that creek. The horses started to get, like, pretty, like, antsy at that time. Um, they, you know, were jumping on their hind legs. They just wouldn't stand still. It was like they had ants in their pants. And we 
yeah, like it was just weird for the horses to be like that because these were both relatively quiet horses. They, you know, had been around fireworks. They had been around, you know, highway, been around cars. Like nothing really scared them. But then the clap started to get gradually louder. And we just kept looking at each other and we just had this feeling like in our gut that we needed to get out of there. That's terrifying because that that is all the classic signs of of Yowie activity because the the rock clacking, that's what I think you were hearing because especially around a, a dry creek bed, there'll be lots of exposed uh, rocks or stones or things like that. And I wonder I wonder if it, w- it was doing this to get you out of the area or to maybe alert others that you were maybe heading towards their, their territory or something like that. Um, the, the smell, that is just classic. When it comes to to Bigfoot and Yowie encounters, the, the the you know like the smell of roadkill. The some people say it kind of even smells like um like an like electrical fire or something like that. And the the bipedal running that would have been just absolutely terrifying. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Oh, it was, yeah, that's, I think that's what scared us the most was because like we knew that we were so far from town, like nobody could be on the property. It was just like myself and my best friend and the horses. Um, and yeah, so obviously, you know, we were like scared at this point. And like, I'm getting chills just even talking about it. And I, was, I actually was speaking to um, Alex about this on the weekend. And she's like, I'm not talking about this right now. And I was like, okay, righto. So she refuses to chat about it, but that's okay. Um, so we, you know, heard the clap. It started to get a little bit louder. Um, and then, you know, the horses finally stopped mucking around. They just stood still. And then all of a sudden it was just, it was like this loudest clap, loudest clap. And I've looked up like above us, like on the creek bed. And there was this figure and it was standing about 25 meters like away from us, like above us, but to the uh, the south of us, um, and it just kept peeking around this tree, this thick tree. I, I I didn't see a face, I didn't see eyes. I just saw this thing just move back and forth behind this tree, and I just said to Alex, I said, "We need to go. We have to go." Um, the whole like we we bolted out of there. Like quick, I've never seen, I've never seen my horses gallop that quickly before. Um, it was about a four kilometer ride back to the house and like the yards, and the whole time like we were riding back there, like we just kept hearing like, and it just kept getting fainter and fainter until we were finally like out of the area. Um, it, it was just Alex and I home that night, so you know we. Unsaddled the horses, we put the horses into the pens and we just like locked ourselves inside. Um, I think one of us had like a baseball bat in the room and we slept in the same bed together that night as well because we were so sh- shaken up. I rang my dad and stuff and talked about it and said, Oh, like, you know, 
we, we heard this person clapping. There was somebody here. Like, can you please just drive drive to us? And, you know, that was about like an hour drive from where my parents live. And dad was like, oh, you know, like it was probably just somebody on the na- neighboring property just like shooting their guns. But like, it, it wasn't gunshots. Like I know what gunshots sound like. Like my dad is an avid rifle shooter, avid pistol shooter. It was not a gunshot. Definitely wasn't a gunshot. And like the closest property was about 10 kilometers away. Um, like I said before, you know, every now and then, like, I'll bring it up and we'll talk about it. But, yeah, I think the, the only thing that we kind of both agree on was it wasn't a man. Like, it would have had to be in a Yowie. So, you saw this creature peeking behind a tree and you're down in the creek and it didn't even occur to me that what a vulnerable position you were in there. To, to be in the base of a creek with this creature up above you. Yeah. Like, that, it could have leapt on us. It could have done anything that it wanted. It could have thrown sticks. It could have thrown branches, rocks. We just... Yeah. It, it just didn't feel safe at all. No. And I really... I don't think anyone would blame you for the, the actions that you took of just absolutely bolting out of there as quickly as you can because it, it really... A situation doesn't get any better after that if you're in that type of situation and you're not trying to exit it as, as soon as possible because if this, this creature is starting to make itself aware to you in, in, in a visual sense, I feel like the, the next steps could have been something quite potentially dangerous there because if it felt comfortable enough to to step out and, and let you look at it, it, it really makes me wonder what was going to happen next if you didn't if you didn't get out of there yeah like the the crappy thing is is i wish that it would have just stayed there a little bit longer so i could try and make out what it was or what it looked like or like i don't know like it's it's features like if it had you know what its eyes looked like or anything i i didn't see a face i just saw this black thing just move out and then move behind the tree again and then move out, and then move behind it again. So you could really only see almost like a silhouette of what this this creature was. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was big. It, it was wide. It was pretty wide. How, how big do you think it was, just as a guess? Because I know you, you were down in the creek and, and looking up. That can be pretty hard to, to gauge size. But just as a guess, how big do you think it was? Over six foot. Definitely over six foot. It... Probably about six foot five, six six, some, something like that. But I just remember it being really, really wide. And and that's something that I hear quite a lot because a lot of people don't realize that Yowies don't have to be this seven foot, eight foot type of creature. You know, a lot of them are around that six foot range, but they they're just incredibly broad, much broader than much broader than what any man really could be. Yeah, definitely. So that would have been probably one of the most terrifying nights of your life i imagine trying to to stay in that in that house only a couple of k's away from where this really happened and yeah i mean the there's only one way in one one way in one way out when it comes to this it it really would have been on my mind that that creature would have come knocking any time during the night uh, we i think we both slept with like our eyes open that night we were both so scared it sounds like your friend is quite shaken up still by this encounter. She masks her emotions pretty, pretty well, but I've been friends with her for over 10 years. So I I know when she is, I guess, uncomfortable talking about something and definitely that experience she is, yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that really shakes the paradigm of a lot of people who have encounters with these types of things because, you know, you've you've just had an experience with something that's not really supposed to exist and that that kind of breaks a lot of people's worlds. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think that experience, um, you know, just being able to have another person there with me. Like the first encounter, I obviously had somebody with me. I don't really think that she saw the person, I saw you know, the yaoi or the person that we saw. Um, she obviously heard it, but 
you know, we just hightailed it out of there straight away. And then, you know, two years later, when Alex and I had this encounter, um, yeah, we just wanted to get out of there really quickly. Yeah, do not blame you at all. So yeah. this this final encounter that you've had, this is this is great. Not in the sense that the encounter happened, but you've got photographic evidence of, I guess, the aftermath of what happened here, which is really rare when it comes to to these types of encounters with these creatures because so many people are caught in the moment. But something really interesting happened to, to one of your horses and you've actually supplied a, a, a photo of what happened. And we'll include that in the show notes for this episode. So if anyone wants to check that out, you can just jump onto the website and check, have a look at that. But are you able to tell us what happened with this encounter with, uh, with your horse? Yeah, um, sure. So a couple of years after that, um, I ended up moving up to Mackay in North Queensland. Um, yeah, I started dating a boy. Um, and obviously I moved up, moved, moved my whole life up. That didn't work. Anyway, um, I moved the horses up and there was a place that I would adjust my horses at. And it's a pretty like dense area of like bush and scrub. Um, and it's in between Habana and the Leap. Um, or Yakapari is probably the the correct um, location that it would be called. Um, so the owners of the property they had like this fourteen year old daughter. Um, they they were great people, but they were just terrible parents. Like they would just leave her at home by the by herself. They would go away for work for, like on weeks on weeks, and she would just be there just to kind of fend for her by herself. So. I'd always like go out every day and just make sure that she was okay. Um, but when I was, you know, back home from work and um, her and I would always, you know, go riding and exercise the horses together, um, like through the bush. Um, we'd ride to the back of the property and we'd always ride it, like always be like on edge because we always felt like somebody was watching us, whether it be like somebody from the neighboring property or, you know, we, we did see a few dingoes now and then. We heard a few dingoes howling. Um, but, you know, we didn't really care. Like, we were just on horses, you know, living our best lives. Um, but whenever we could ride, like, right to the very, very back, like, it was that same feeling as well. We we felt like we were trespassing or, like, we knew that we weren't supposed to be there or, you know, we were just going into a location where or an area where we just shouldn't be. And we both always got that feeling and we both just like kept looking at each other every single time we would ride there. Um, on a few occasions, like we would find like carcasses of dingoes. Um, the strange thing was like the head had been cut off or weirdly enough, it was like their bodies were ripped in half. So, you know, sometimes we'd see you know, the head and the front legs, but then the torso and the back legs and tail, like, were completely missing. Um, and kind of similar to the calf incident in my first encounter, there was barely any blood, barely any blood. Um, we didn't really take too much notice of it. At first, we kind of thought, oh, you know, just like pigs or like people hunting or like poaching on the property whatever, like, they know that there's, you know, people here riding horses, like, they'll be fine. Um, I kind of, I'd say there quite a bit, just with the daughter, um, just because, you know, she was pretty lonely. She was an only child. Um, and she was very independent, especially for somebody at, like, 14. Um, some nights, though, like, we would just hear either, like, dingoes howling um, or, like, pigs squealing. But some nights we would hear like these really loud whoops um, and they would start off deep and then they would go higher and higher. And it reminded me of like my first encounter, like when I was 17. Um, they were they sounded like a man and then to a really, really high-pitched girl. But they were always coming from like the back of the property and that's where the scrub was like the, the densest or the thickest. Like we'd hear them about 10 p.m every night for about 20 minutes for a few weeks and at a time and then nothing for months. It usually happened from like April till about August, um, just every now and then. But 
like I said, it, it wasn't like a dingo howling or a cow bellowing. It was just such a weird sound. And I've never heard anything like it um, other than that first encounter that I had in um, 2012. Um, in 2017, I started working away in the mines. Um, and so I didn't really have enough time to be riding and exercising my horses so much. So um, I would let my horses spell on the property with the others that they had. So they were all just like one big herd. Um, one afternoon, I had a phone call from the daughter um, who ran the property that my horse was limping pretty badly up to the house paddock from the back of the property. An hour later, she sent me these photos of these scratches. These scratches were around the top of the horse's tail. So horses obviously have hair on their tails, right? But they have this this bit, it's called a dock, and the dock is just skin. So I guess it's kind of like the flesh and the hair grows out of it. Um. So she sent me these photos of these scratches around the top of his tail. Like the hair was matted and he wouldn't let anyone touch him to treat him until I got back from my swing away from work. And when I got back, like it just looked like they were claw marks, just dug in and just ripped his tail completely, ripped the dock. Like there was hair missing, there was skin missing. It was just so random, so crazy. Obviously, you know, when I got back to try and treat him, like he was skittish, like he was head shy and he would try and kick out, which was completely out of his nature. Like he was the quietest horse. Bear in mind, this is the same horse that I've had those two prior encounters with as well. So that's what makes it a little bit weirder. Um, He was never the same after that. He was kind of you know, like didn't want to be ridden, just was just so reluctant to do anything. He just wasn't the same horse as he once was. Um, so after that, I, I sent him to a property um, out at Jinjin down in um, the Wide Bay area and he just lives his days out there now. Um, yeah, but even on that property down at Jinjin, like this is a bit off topic, off topic and I didn't mention this in the initial email, but, you know, my best friend from the second encounter, it's actually her parents' property. Um, and we've gone for rides and stuff around there on like other horses. It, well, there's just some of the stuff that we've noticed, like tree breaks and trees crossed over and stuff. And now I look at that and I'm thinking that's how, how can, you know, a cow or a horse break that? at seven feet, eight foot in the air on a pine tree. Yeah, and I think you actually did shoot me an email um, with a picture of this as well because... So, sorry to interrupt, Kate, but that other photo is from another encounter and that's the final encounter that I've had. And that isn't from Jin Jin. That's from Blackdown Tablelands as well. So oh, that wow, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's been about four encounters, I guess, Um so sorry to interrupt. No, no, you're totally fine. I um, I was, I was probably jumping the gun a bit there, but I tell you what, if if animals could talk, I reckon your horse would have an absolute tale to to tell because it's um, it's been through some shit. <laughs> this horse has. Uh, yeah, he he definitely has. Um, like I said, these claw marks that were, yeah, they were so so deep and just so precise it wouldn't have been you know if a horse was scratching its bum on a on a fence or a tree it looked like they these had been dug in and just ripped yeah and we'll include that picture because it it really is it's really telling because it looks like something has grabbed your horse it has it has like dug in it's grabbed it hard and the scenario that really plays out in my mind when I see this is that, you know, potentially this creature's come behind the horse, grabbed the tail, and the horse has kicked it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, that would probably be the only way that he would have gotten away, and I would have hate, hate to think of what could have happened to him. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, obviously that horse has moved now. He's down in the Wai Bay area. Um 
and yeah, so that's that. It's absolutely fascinating the amount of encounters that you've had, and you know these aren't just like little bumps in the night or or anything like that. You know these encounters they've really seemed to be stepping up with their intensity, and to to have your your horse attacked that really does take everything to this this next level because not only does it leave um you know such a, a such an impact on you but it actually leaves a lot of evidence for you to go look this this is actually happening these things that i've been encountering encountering they're not made up it's all real and now it's attacked my horse definitely i i strongly believe and i'm so adamant that a yaoi attacked my horse 100%. Yeah, and when people see the, this image, it's it's really telling because one thing that I really do need to to stress because we have a lot of international listeners is that the the real only predator that would be in this region may be a dingo and these don't look like bite marks. This 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 looks like it's been clawed. Yeah. Um a dingo definitely couldn't have done what it did to a horse. To my horse, so that's why I'm so adamant about it being a yaoi that attacked him. What's your What's your thought about the the creature now? Because you know you've had so many run-ins with this. You know you've had more run-ins than most people would really dream of having, and all of yours have been not. I wouldn't say all aggressive, but you know they've been borderline to that level of not wanting you around. Um, what's, what's your thoughts about this creature and, you know, what's your opinion on, on, on it essentially? Um, I guess I would have to say that I feel like this creature has obviously, you know, roamed the land for years, like centuries and centuries. Like I believe that a Yowie hasn't... I guess hasn't gone extinct. I feel like, you know, I've spoken to Aboriginals about this before um, and local Aboriginals and, you know, they're, they're adamant. They say, yeah, nope, hairy man's out there. Um, I definitely feel like from the dream time to now, they they still exist. They're still out there. Um, whether... Whether they're an animal, I don't know if they're like a, a, a primate, whether they are you're just some missing link in between. Um, oh, I'm not even too sure. I guess like is it civilization, I guess. Like they haven't been domesticated. I, I'm, I'm not even too sure. I, I spend so much time thinking about this and absolutely everything. Um, but I, I just feel like they are either protectors of certain areas in Australia. Um, so I think that some of them can, can definitely be dangerous. I mean, you know, the photo speaks for itself. Like they ripped the crap out of my horse's tail. Um, you know, and I've listened to like other people's encounters and experiences and. Some have been pleasant, but some have been extremely chilling and extremely scary. Um, and I guess that, like, I guess that leads into my last and final encounter like, that I had. Um, do we have time for that? Yeah, no, of course we do. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, like I grew up in Blackwater in central Queensland. Um, and like as a kid, I'd always go to the Blackdown Tablelands with my dad. Like literally every weekend spare, like my whole family would pack up and we'd go up there exploring and we'd try and find new waterholes or new waterfalls and just go on hikes. So I remember being like a four or five and my dad forcing me to walk 10K, which is ridiculous, but thanks to that one, Dad. Um, after I moved away from Blackwater in 2016, um, I never really got the chance to go back to the tablelands like as often as I like. But when I started working back out in the coal mines in central Queensland, um, I had the opportunity to go, you know, back to Blackwater and stuff. And I still do because mum and dad still live out there. But um, 
my workmates and I, we'd always get like a pajama day or a day off in between our shifts. Um, and we'd always like just go as a group, um, go up to the Blackdown Tablelands and go for a swing and or a swim um, and explore and, you know, just spend some time, I guess, just bonding as a work crew. Um, but in May 2020, I got put onto a new crew. Um, so I didn't really know too many people on the crew. So I was kind of a bit of a loner. Um, and one morning, like I decided to, that I'd, you know, get up really early on my pajama day um, and I'd go for a run up to Blackton Tableland. So I left Blackwater at 4 a.m. Um, and then I got to the Tablelands around 5 a.m. Got a bit of a heavy foot. So I got up there pretty quickly. Um, but when I got up there and parked at the car park, it was extremely eerie. Like, there was nobody in the car park. I didn't pass any cars on the whole entire road up there. I didn't see anybody at the campgrounds. Like, I saw nobody. But, I mean, I didn't expect anybody to be there because it was so early. But the strangest thing about this whole trip was that there was no noise. Um, there was no bush noise. So, like, no birds chirping, like, no wind, no bugs. It was just, like, complete stillness. Like, there wasn't even a breeze, which was just so weird to me because, you know, we're so high up in the mountains. Like, it's about, I think it's, like, 950 meters above sea level, I'm pretty sure, something like that. Um, but anyway, I, I started walking and then, you know, it's about a four-kilometer trip down to the waterfall and back. Um, but I obviously I started walking and that same feeling that I'd had, like, once before, like, it overcome me. And it was just the feeling that, like, I was being watched and like like I was I was on edge that whole trip that whole walk you know I planned to go for a run but I just didn't want to run I didn't want to make any sound um maybe it was just my mind like playing tricks on me but like the whole time I felt like I was just being watched or I was being followed and like I kept looking over my shoulder because I I swore that somebody was behind me the whole the whole time um, I mean, here's me, five foot ten me, I'm 60 kilos, ringing wet. And I picked up a branch, a pretty big branch, and I carried it with me. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm just, you know, looking out. I'm still feeling on edge this whole time. And then I got to the halfway mark and I saw this giant tree that had been pushed over. And this is the photo that I sent you in the email. This is when I saw it last year. And this tree, it had just been snapped and it was just fallen over. But then there were all these other sticks and branches that have been twisted and turned and bent and snapped to form some kind of like structure. Um, you know, I, I listened to a few other people's, you know, yowie encounters and my first my first thought was a yaoi has done this. There, like, there is no way that a man or a woman or anybody could have pushed this tree over and then stacked these other logs and these other sticks or branches onto this other fallen over tree. Like it, everything was just way too heavy. And like, I stood there for about five minutes, just like gobsmacked. And, you know, I'm trying to think to myself, like, what could have done this? And the whole time I'm like, Haiti, like, you need to just leave. Like, you need to just leave. But, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn and I just kept moving and I just kept walking down to the waterfalls. And the whole time, like, there was no bush noise. So it was, like, extremely eerie. And it was a bit chilly as well. But. I just started to feel so sick in the stomach. Maybe it was because I hadn't eaten that morning, but it was just this feeling like I had done something wrong. 
and I felt guilty. Or that's that's the only way I can kind of describe it. Is I felt so guilty for just even being there. I was sick. Like I needed to throw up, but there was nothing obviously in my stomach to throw up either. I had goosebumps the whole walk and the hairs were standing up on the back of my neck as well. Um, I got to the stairs down to Rainbow Falls. It's about 240 stairs down. And I got to the waterfall and that was the only sound that I could hear. Um, and I sat there for about an hour. And then, like, the feeling didn't leave me. Like, I still felt as if I was being watched. And, like, I kept looking up above me because I just felt like, you know, what if something was up? What if something or someone or whatever was, like, above me? Um, I, I decided to leave, like, the waterfalls and um and head back to the car park. And, um... Like, this is so stupid, but I just grabbed a rock. Um, and, like, the whole time, like, I was just walking. Sorry. Um, and, like, I just kept saying out loud, like, I'm leaving now. Like, please don't hurt me. And I just, like, kept saying that. Like, I said, probably sounded like a crazy person. But I just felt like I was just going to get hurt or, like, something was going to just do something to me. And, like, I repetitively said that out loud for, like, the next 45 minutes, walking back to the car. And, um, I thought, like, when I got back to my car, like, I hopped in, I locked the doors, and, like, I just drove. And, like, I sped out of there. Like, there's a speed limit of, like, 40 or 50. I was doing, like, 80 down this road. Like, I did not care about my car. Like, I just wanted to get out of there. Um... Like, that feeling stayed with me, like, all the way back to town. Like, I got into the car, I got out of the national park, and then it only stopped when I got back onto the highway. And then, like, when I got back to town, like, I kind of felt somewhat safe. Um, And when I got back to, like, my parents, who, like, obviously live in Blackwater, like, my dad said that I looked as pale as a ghost. And, um, like, I, I just broke down crying. Um, I just didn't feel, I just didn't feel safe anymore for some reason. Um, and like that one place that like has resonated with me, like as a child, you know, like I I spent so many days, so many nights and just so much time up at the tablelands. Um, now it's just a place that I refuse to return to. I I just don't feel safe going out into the bush alone anymore. It's not surprising, considering the the events that you've had over the past decade with this type of creature and the the fight or flight response that that kicks in is completely uncontrollable. And the the reaction that you've had to to this last scenario is something that. I think happens to a lot of people when they're when they're put into this situation. I, th- I feel like it's a sixth sense that just kicks in, and you know when you're unsafe. You know when you need to leave, and it's just terrible that you have this feeling about a a place that's so special to you that you feel like you can't go back there now. And there's nothing that I could say that would ever change that, but. Do you think it's it's something that you would slowly ease back into, or are you are you fully oh. committed to never going back there again? Oh, like a part of me just never wants to go back there ever again. Like I would be happy to never go back there again. I, I don't want to feel the way that I felt ever again. But um, there is like obviously that part of me that just kind of. I guess wants to like face my fears and um and obviously like just go back. But um I guess I'm just scared. Which sucks. It 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 does suck. And that's the that's the hard reality of these types of encounters that people don't realise is that everyone wants to go out and, and find a Yowie, but 
they don't realize the type of effect that it can actually have on someone and to be so so scared and so petrified of a of a place that you love no one wants that to happen you didn't ask for this to happen and you're you coming on the show have absolutely nothing to gain by telling people that you know you're you're now scared of going into this into this place that's so dear to you and I think this is a, a real warning to people, you know, be careful what you wish for because you can't undo the situation once it's happened. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it, it just baffles me. Like, why? Like, why me? Like, I'm just like some... You know, just some girl from a small town and, you know, I mean, people that I've told think I'm absolutely crazy. That's why I kind of just kept quiet about it. But, um, like, I, I know what, like, I, I know what I've seen. I know what I saw. And, like, I know, I know what was following me. I know what was watching me. And it's, I, I doubt that it's ever going to stop. I just feel like for some reason these things are just drawn to me, whether they're just like inquisitive and then whether, you know, they can smell, you know, like obviously male and female hormones are different, but maybe mine are just obviously, you know, stronger. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like they are, it's just, it's constant. Like, you know, these have, this has all happened within like a, 10 years. Like, what's, what's next? That's what I'm worried about. Will you ever go back into any national park or are you just completely done with it all now? Um, I mean, my dad would be pretty disappointed in me if I never returned to a national park. Um, but. I mean, I guess I'll have to face my fears one day. I'll have to put on my big girl knickers and go out. I, I don't want to let you know, these encounters like ruin, you know, my appreciation for the Australian bush. I, like, I, I love Blackdown Tablelands. I, I want to be able to go back up there. Um. Obviously, I'd probably go up as a group, but then there's that part of me that just wants to go by myself and just, I, I know that sounds stupid, but I'd obviously put myself in such a vulnerable position, but I just feel like I need to face my fears and I feel like that's probably the best place to go and the best place to do it. It's something that a lot of people wouldn't understand of why you would want to go back there by yourself and that's yeah. only something that you would know why. Because these encounters, they happened to you. They didn't really happen to to anyone else. And they didn't have the same effect on other people. And for you, it's you're you're reclaiming your ownership of being able to go out and control your own situation. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure I'll be able to do it one day. Well, Haiti, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Your encounters, they're, they're powerful. There's no other way to describe them because, like I said earlier, people wish to have these types of encounters and don't realize these knock-on effects that can happen after you've seen one of these things. And I think you're incredibly brave to want to go back out there and do it. And even though you're not ready now, the, the fact that you... You have the the will to go back out there. I think that's that's a real testament to you. I yeah, I'm I'm certain that I'm going to be able to go back out there. Um, am I certain that I'm going to see or encounter something again? Yeah, you never know. I guess it's the the unknown, really. If I if I do, then I guess I have another story for you to, for me to tell. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me.
My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.